You're listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. A tension is a gentle pull, a stretch that causes a strain, or an emotional trigger that can cause a positive or negative reaction. When you are in a leadership role, you are confronted with tensions constantly. It's what you do at these critical moments that matters most. In this series, we learn how to identify and acknowledge these tensions, how to appropriately respond to them with our next move, and how to skillfully navigate through them when leading ourselves, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. This series is made possible by the international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor, your guide for achieving breakthrough performance in productivity. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Erica Pietler. Good morning and welcome back to our special edition series, Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Peeler. Erica, good morning, my friend. Good to be with you as always in hey. studio. Hey, good morning. I'm so excited. I'm just going to even like jump right in there with you. <laughs> <laughs> you are exciting. Well, this is going to be a, this is a critical conversation today. It's episode five, the tension in leading teams and being both a practitioner and philosopher part two where we're going to dive in and focus on shifting from meology to weology. Very important conversation. So before we go there, however, Erica, remind our audience what is meant by the tensions of leadership. Yeah, this is really going to be, I think, an exciting season for us because we've been engaging in this ongoing dialogue regarding leadership being a skilled profession. So it requires conscious discipline. It requires practice. And it's all in this pursuit of performance and productivity. So in season one, we really laid down some skills about how do you become a consciously competent leader? What do you need to do? How do you do it? And why do you do it? And then we advanced in seasons two and three, and we started to talk about practices of leadership. How do you practice in real time? How do you establish rhythm for working at the speed of business and putting some macro structures in place? In season four, Todd, we're going to change it up again, and we're going to look at these tensions that leaders face as they progress in advancing their leadership practice. And these tensions are stresses, they're pulls, they're triggers, and they're things that leaders must raise, wrestle with, and resolve, or else they're going to struggle, they're going to get stuck, and they're going to stagnate themselves and their businesses. So the stakes are really high in season four. All right. Well, thank you for that. So gosh, kind of in part one of Leading Teams, we talked about recalibrating yourself in part two here, now it's more focusing on the team and developing them. We talked about developing and a whole different array of tensions here, though. I mean, one that comes to mind is this idea of, of the time, the tension of time. What do you mean by that? So this is a really big one for me and for a lot of the clients that I coach. Our relationship with time really has to shift. You know, a lot of what we need to do when we become a team leader is create that time for being the philosopher, right? Mm. You know, we have to now integrate that into the mix. we got to resolve that tension and we have to change our relationship with time. Time now has to be an investment in our people and in our bench. It's not a distraction. It's not, oh my God, that's taking time away from my work. That actually is your work. So there's that shift now from the meology to the weology, my investment of time, building my bench. I have to be able to make that choice, integrate that, and sequence that in my day-to-day work is as part of my work, not as something that is a distraction from my work. This is real tough for a lot of people. We, we, we sort of laughed about the example of the sales rep who does well, who becomes promoted to the sales manager and struggles. I mean, because they're not used 
to developing that kind of time. And that, that's just not their regimen. That was not their routine. They just, it's a, it's a hard shift for a lot of people. It is. And it goes back to, you know, if you're still emphasizing too much of your practitioner, right? You know, so mm. this tension between the practitioner and the philosopher, you kind of got to get that balance, right? We talked about calibrating ourselves in the, in the first episode here. Now it's really making sure that we're putting that appropriate emphasis on the philosopher part because the practitioner comes easy. Right. It's that philosopher where the conscious discipline and that skill set now has to come in. And it's going to come in a lot of interesting places. So, in terms of inclusion and exclusion decisions, you know, we talked in uh, a couple of seasons ago about green dollars and blue dollars. Mm. So, green dollars, money we spend, blue dollars, the people time. Well, now we have to start thinking about not just our own time, but where are our people investing and spending their time as well? So, you know, we want to make sure that we're not overly including or overly excluding people from meetings or from discussions. We want to make sure that we're resource allocating appropriately. We now as a team leader have to think about people, time, and money differently. So our investment of time and our tension around resources really starts to escalate now as we become the philosopher part of the practitioner. Well, it reminds me of something you said once where you have to be, there has to be a shift from being a today leader to a today and tomorrow leader. That's hard for people too. Absolutely. And, you know, the tomorrow is, and, you know, we'll get to this later when we talk about, you know, leading at the organizational level. When you become a team leader, you have to start being a landscape player and an interface player, right? You're in the middle of a lot of things now. You're not alone in your own little cave doing your own little work. You're really in the mix of the organization and different things happening around you. So tomorrow is a part of today because as a leader, you know, whether it's a one year or a three year time frame, team leaders have a larger time frame than just the individual, the contributor. The individual contributor needs to get work done this year. The team leader needs to think about what is today and what is tomorrow in terms of not only delivering the work, but preparing the people to have the skill sets to be able to deliver the work tomorrow and beyond. Well, this being an interface player, I mean, that's another whole tension, right, of now having to focus and be cognizant of the organization. It's the classic meology to weology. I mean, that's, and that's a whole other realm that, that's uncomfortable for a lot of new leaders is this idea of having to keep that in mind. That's a difficult transition for a lot of people, not a lot of new leaders too, yes? Yes, it is. And, and I think, you know, it goes to a couple of different areas. One is we talked in the, in the last episode about, am I a part of the team or am I a leader of the team? Mm -hmm. Like, these are my people. And, you know, what you need to really think about is that objectivity of being a team leader and developing those direct reports, but being a team leader leader and helping to serve the organizational goal. So you're at that interface where it doesn't just play one way, it plays both ways. In fact, it plays three ways because you also have your peers that are to your right and to your left. So you're at the interface as a team leader at three really critical junctions where there's tension all around you. The tension of your direct reports, making sure you invest in them, the tension of are you serving and aligning with the needs of the organization, and the tension with are you doing the appropriate peer-to-peer cross-functional accountability to make sure that work gets done collaboratively? So you're right in the crosshairs. Oh, this idea of protecting your team and my peeps and all that. I mean, how common a scenario is that? We've all been a part of that. We've probably all done it. And it made sense to me last week, but now it's even more visceral just because of this understanding this interface and the tension I have to be, because I have to be cousins in the organization. There's this desire to protect your team. And it feels like family. I mean, I, I, you can see where people would think that's a good thing. But you, the goal here is the organizational success, right? And I think people say, I'm doing good by protecting my peeps, when in fact, that could be harming the organization, which is what a new leader 
in which is what the, the, the weology type leader has to be focusing on. They just have to. You're exactly right. And, you know, and here's the risk, right? So like we said, every tension that you potentially think you're resolving may beget another tension, right? <laughs> so the inaction, like let's go back to taking action, not action. The inaction of the team leader to correct a problem that exists because they want to instead protect their team member that is going to make a bigger tension problem for that leader because it's not like other people can't see that that leader is protecting their people. So what happens is that leader now has a blind spot or potentially has a growth area. They're not necessarily addressing an issue. So they become a little bit flawed as an organizational leader because they're not doing the right thing on behalf of the organization. Their peers see that. Their supervisor sees that. And now they become a little bit vulnerable to are they able to fully play the role that they need to play? And that could limit their future growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. All right, Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, Tach, Nick, back with Erica Petler. All right, so another tension you have to be thinking about here when you're talking about weology versus meology is this idea of the tension of capacity. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so back to my uh, favorite little thing, which is S-curves. You know, at the bottom in the bevel of that S-curve is we're building capabilities, right? That's where our comfort zone is. That's where, you know, as an individual contributor or even a team leader, we feel comfortable. Capacity is the game changer. Do you have the capacity to handle the breadth and the scope of work? We talked about, you know, are you a controlling leader or an empowering leader? Are you going to make the choice to be a doer or are you going to advance into manage and lead? You have to have capacity to be a good team leader. Not only do you have to have capacity, but you have to have the ability to teach the skill of capacity building to your bench so that they can also expand. You have to stretch them and make sure that they're able to do that as well. The biggest compression factor that I see in organizations, the biggest reason why organizations can't get to the next level is the people don't have the capacity and the leaders don't have the capacity. And we don't stretch people. We let people just be, you know, comfortable in their uh, in their technical zone. Capacity is about letting go and it's about trusting and it's about getting work done through others and letting them grow and develop. The other piece that we have to be mindful of is composure, and that's at the top of the S-curve. So when you think about being a team leader, being a practitioner, being a philosopher and, and resolving tension, the biggest tension is having the capacity and the composure to really lead and having the capability to teach that to your bench is really one of the biggest tensions that a team leader has to overcome. Define more about composure. I mean, I, 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 we all can think we don't understand what that means, but in the context of this, I mean, what, what does it mean? 
Very timely question, right? Because one of the things that's really come to light in the leadership world, whether it be through corporate America, political venues, is do people have the temperament to lead? That's what we're talking about, right? The composure is about the temperament to lead. Can you hold yourself together, take the high road and communicate what has to happen? Or do you digress into the negative side of leadership? And do you bring anger and do you bring judgment into your leadership practice? So having the composure to lead, how do you keep the game up at the right level? How do you keep it positive? How do you keep it focused on moving and advancing things forward without being judgmental, negative, and critical? Well, let's remember who we're leading here. Human beings. Sure. They're going to make mistakes. So if you're listening to this and you think, ah, I don't need composure, you are dead wrong, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Composure is a a critical piece. You know, one of the things, too, that comes to mind when I also think of tensions for some team leaders to think about is, you know, what do we tend to deal with a lot as leaders? We get everybody's problems that they can't resolve, right? You know, people will just bring those monkeys and place them on our back and say, hey, you know, Todd, I can't uh, solve this problem or I have this problem with Erica. Can you talk to Erica and kind of resolve it? So, you know, we have to deal with this issue of resolving issues at the point of contact versus escalation. And if we're able to do that, we're able to empower our bench into being much more effective. We teach people how to resolve their issues directly versus it's easy for us to resolve everybody's problems, but it causes compression for us. And then we're not focused on the things that we need to focus on. So not responsible for it. Yeah, another watch out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, another tension that I think is really mission critical here in terms of, especially as you begin to think about leading an organization, is this idea of silos versus cross-functional collaboration. I mean, I think about Tom Peters and all the thought leadership he's put out in the world. The one thing I think about with him is he says, here's one best piece of advice. When you have lunch every day, don't have lunch with your teammates, have lunch with someone in another department. Yeah. And that's how you begin to learn and break down these barriers. This this tension between silo and cross-functional, I mean, I think that's that's very, very critical here, yes? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up because we're going into the next couple of episodes at the enterprise level. And one of the, let's say, uh, the holes or, uh, or uh, traps that team leaders can fall into is, you know, working vertically only. You know, mm-hmm. understanding that, hey, my team is getting its work done and, you know, we're, we're great. We're great. If everybody else could just get their act together, the whole world would be great across the organization, but we're great. Well, we are an entity as an organization and work gets done vertically as well as horizontally. So to your point of this cross-functional nature, you know, what we have to realize is we are as team leaders responsible for the end result and outcome of work that happens across the enterprise. And that most importantly, talent is an enterprise asset. So that is a great on point comment, which is, look, I may be leading this functional team, but as an organizational leader, which is one of my interface roles that I play, all the talent is something that I need to take an interest in. And every opportunity to have a coachable moment to develop that talent is something that I need to take action on. Yeah. There again lies that focus on protecting your team. I mean, I, I keep going back to that because that's been game changing for me in, re- in rethinking how this kind of thing works. But if that's your focus, then you're not thinking about the enterprise. I mean, I, I love this line of yours, that talent is an enterprise asset. I mean, I think we forget that very Absolutely. easily, very quickly. It's where we need to focus. And, you know, it really it really takes us into, you know, where we're going in the next couple of episodes. So, yep. you know, resolving these tensions, getting into that mindset of weology. If we've left listeners today, you know, making that appropriate shift of calibrating themselves and then thinking about, you know, the team as a whole, I think we're uh, right on the precipice of what's next. 
All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Erica. Should anyone have any questions, how can they find you and learn more? Yes, you can, as always, find me at erica at ericapetler.com via email. You can follow me on Twitter at Erica Peetler. Would love to hear from you. All right. Thank you for that. And so join us next week for episode six, the tension in leading organizations and being either an entrepreneurial or an enterprise leader. And that's just part one, where we're going to learn about diagnosing your business life cycle stage and establishing your leadership role clarity. All right. So until then, and on behalf of myself and my co-host, Erica Peeler, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on Leadership on the Ground, season four. 